Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. Uh, I'm Harold. Glad to have you guys back. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you guys are. And also you can listen to us on uh, Google Play, iTunes, uh, your preferred podcatcher. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I've been wanting to do a Cowboy Bebop uh, roundtable for a little while. You know, it's, it's a show that comes up every time I have a guest on. And so I'm really excited to actually uh, sit down and do this with the, some of the guys that I really respect uh, the opinions of and some of my best buds. And so, yeah, just real quick, I'll go through the um, <clears throat> the order here. Uh, we got Steven Tyler from The Tower. What up? How's it going? Mike Allen, local man, local artist. Hello. <laughs> Casey McElroy, local musician. Hello today. And then uh, James Nim. Oh, what up? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm really excited. Um, I think the best way to start it off is kind of, you know, we probably all found it at different points. Uh, you know, we're all kind of all different ages so it's interesting to it'd be interesting to me to hear like your intro where you found it if you know around the age of what you where you found it things like that so yeah we'll start with steven i was just thinking about this trying to recall where i first found cowboy bebop i what i think it might have been when Comedy Central or Cartoon Network, one of the two was doing a late night anime thing. What was that? Yeah. Toonami. It wasn't Adult Swim. It was, yeah. it was, was it in Toonami? Toonami, yeah. They did okay. it like a Saturday night block, I think, of anime for a while. And I can't remember. I oh, didn't they did. Cable. They showed like Inuyasha and shit like they that. They had yeah. their midnight run block where they would show like Gundam and Cowboy Bebop yeah. uncut, yeah. relatively uncut. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's where, where I originally found it. Um, I wasn't really seeking out and I never really watched. In fact, it's probably one of the early animes I ever watched. Inuyasha and this were very, very much early on in my exposure to anime in general. Um, so it, I found it extremely, extremely compelling at the time because it was interesting and it had this, you know, there was a story arc that like went across the entire season. So it wasn't just that, you know, the, the cartoons I grew up on, like GI Joe and stuff like that, that was like, oh, there you go. And by the end of the show, uh, you know the it's whole like thing. Like Monster of the Week, very formulaic. <laughs> yeah, like so. This to have, to have a, a, a cartoon that actually had some longer form stories, and and then the music actually stuck out to me more than anything. Um, and I think I don't know if we're going to talk about specific about the music later, but I had a very weird um, experience with it because as soon as I got into it my cousin out of left field we were at a family function or something walked up to me and handed me a stack of no less than 15 CDs that were all cowboy bebop soundtrack like Ooh, import what? compilations like mm-hmm. all the seatbelt stuff all the different variations and i listened to all of that like nonstop for wow. almost like 2 years that's <laughs> awesome so like the music is almost more Iconic, to iconic you, yeah. to me than the show. I was like, I was even thinking about it preparing for the show. I was like, man, I'm glad you had this little talking point thing because it's like I don't even remember the characters' names. It's like, <laughs> but I can sit here and like almost hum tank and yeah. things for you. And I've got the that rhythmic drums looping in my head right now. Like, 
that's kind of Cowboy Bebop was definitely that's very awesome. much about yeah. the music. But I also just loved the show. Like I loved the Western vibe. I loved the the Bruce Lee Kung Fu stuff. And like it, it plus just the sci-fi. Like yeah. it had all of the pieces that just made it great. Nice. So it's literally one of my favorites. Yeah, like that music. The music is a big pull for a lot of people, and that was why I was excited um, to have Mike on too, because Mike is me. <laughs> Mike is like a high key a fan of jazz and so I remember from oh, yeah. our episode like I never really knew much about jazz like you know I would hear it like just casually like whenever it was on or whatever but Mike like is a fan of like all the different genres of jazz I didn't even know there's different forms of jazz and I was Absolutely. like damn Mike and so yeah is that kind of like was that your intro was that the first straw like maybe did you come in when Tank was on and you're like what the hell like, <laughs> let me check this out or what was kind of your intro to the show no uh, my intro was uh in 2000 this is before it was on tv um i'm that hipster uh <laughs> but no uh i used to go to my friend jeff jeff's house jeff mcgraw he works at smb burgers i think still uh he's a really cool dude uh but we well, would watch wrestling pay-per-views like hey. wwf at the time gotcha and uh he he knew i watched like anime before like i was a big dbz fan and uh um, Escaflone, yeah. which Yoko Kano also did the music for, uh, oh. in like 96. Yeah. And so he, Very I mean, related. he just knew that I liked it. So he had, he had the, the whole series on DVD already, like in 2000. Um, and so he was like, you got to watch the show. It's the greatest show ever made. Wow. And he was correct about that, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, but he let me borrow, tr- borrow Trigun at the same time. Oh, was, okay. Was, Trigun popped in my head a second ago. I was like, Oh, I'm going to bring up Trigun in a minute. <laughs> yeah. that. Damn it. Mike. Both of those shows came out <laughs> in 1998. Yeah, like it was nice. like a really great year for, for anime, I guess. Nice. I think Helsing came out that year, the original nice. Helsing. Oh yeah. As well. Cool. Um, but yeah, I took it home, watched it, and uh, the, the rest was history. But uh, I, you know, later rediscovered it on like Adult Swim in its later runs, and then I just ended up buying the series, like the remastered versions, nice with all the extras and stuff on DVD later on. So I've been a big fan ever since. Cool, man. It's funny, like the intro, like whenever you think about how your intro was to something, you kind of have the sometimes you kind of it's like the egocentrism just like the nature of being a human you're like well everybody's experience is probably this but now it's like that's already two very different like yeah. <laughs> intros in the show like i found well, the show just from toonami like, and even you say in dbz a second ago it was like oh yeah in fact that was my first intro to anime i had friends that were like oh you gotta watch this and i watched yeah. it, it was like it was cool and i liked it and it was like that's weird like that's a weird kind it's different of animation right? like yeah and then like to get to cowboy bebop I was like whoa it also goes this direction okay now mm-hmm. so you kind of see the depth now of i'm it. into it yeah. and then, then trigon and escaflone and all that kind of yeah. helsing even like you're you're making me flashbacks <laughs> <laughs> he's nostalgic hard right there uh casey is that kind of like your avenue like is it did you did you see it on bootleg did you see it on toonami where'd you find it uh, I was a uh, <clears throat> I was a tsunami person. I I found it. Uh, I want to say in the early two thousands um, through the uh, through the tsunami block, and uh, I think I can't remember what was the first episode I saw. It was it's either one of two episodes. It's either Toys in the Attic or Ballad of Fallen Angels, which I feel I'm wow. really lucky. Yeah. But those were the first two. Like, well, that's a hell of an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the thing that just stuck out to me was it was a it was a sci-fi western. Um, you know, the the thing that so many people love about, like, Firefly, 
Cowboy Bebop did it, I think did it better, but that's a completely different podcast. <laughs> um, that's very dangerous. To yes. To. Yes. Um, and our rates just dropped. And no, sorry, <laughs> everyone, I'll show myself everyone out. Everyone click stop. Yeah. X'd out of their browsers. Yeah. You guys can't see this, but everybody's pulling out knives right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but the, the thing, one of the things that really stuck out to me other than the sci-fi Western thing was the music. Um, me and Mike could probably talk about this after the show for probably a good couple hours, but I, I absolutely love uh, hard, bop, hard bop jazz, so stuff like John Coltrane and Miles Davis and Thelonious Cannonball, Monk. yeah, really Thelonious, Cannonball, bop. Adderley, yeah. uh, all that really sort of uh, modal jazz. Um, well, modal, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I, learned that from, I learned that word from Mike. <laughs> I, uh, I, I loved it because it, it was not what, it, was, it wasn't what you were hearing um, out of anime, something so sophisticated and um, anti-trope. You know, it's like here's the sci-fi anime trope. This is completely kind of out of that yeah. box. Yeah, yeah, and that really stuck with me. I think that stuck with a lot of people. So that was sort of my influence or introduction to the show. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. Yeah, I think it's it goes to show like. You know, it's just so many different avenues to where you could find the same thing. Like all, all of us have very different points mm-hmm. where we found it, but we all somehow like the same shit. Like Mike <laughs> said all these things and Steven's like, oh, yeah, I like that stuff too. Like it's just the, the nature of it because you attach on the things that you like. Like when you start getting into one show, you start like latching on to things like, yeah, I like that thing. And then you yeah. start finding that in other shows. And you're it's like, a gateway drug yeah. to other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pop culture gateway drug. Oh, yeah. So James, um, I actually met James at a Cowboy Bebop art show. Yeah. Uh, but you meet, like, millions. I'm like, you probably don't remember me. That's totally cool because <laughs> you meet, like, everyone's like, wants to come talk to you because you put on the show. You didn't meet Mike there? Uh, did I meet you? There? I don't think we talked at the yeah, Cowboy I don't Bebop think so. show. We met at when James was getting an award for... Uh, oh, the, the AIGA. The graphic, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I shook your hand yeah. at that little award thing. So, but yeah. you were talked about being at the Cowboy Bebop show. Yeah, that was a good, that was a fun time. And it was like, that was another, you know, just kind of testament because months after that, um, I was talking to people and I would find people that were at that show and I'm like, I was there too. Yeah. Like there was a guy that I worked with and he was like, yeah, I went to like this Cowboy Bebop show thing. <laughs> and at the time he lived in Tulsa and I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> That's crazy, but that I was really kind of the. Wanted to go to that show. Yeah. You missed a good one. It was uh, it was there's people fun. from Kansas driving out for it, so it was a good meeting meeting place for a lot of people. I yeah. think. So was that um, you know, just so much to say? Like you obviously were a fan of the show. Yeah. What was like your intro? Is it kind of the similar I, story? I think to it these was guys? actually the movie. Like I think I saw like a couple of random episodes. I don't remember how, and then I saw the movie, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then I was working at Subway, like when I was in college, like during the summer. And some eighteen-year-old kid was like, "You gotta watch, watch this." And he just gave me the DVDs or a VHS tape or something. Uh, yeah, I just been binge watch anime and work at Subway. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, living the dream, 20s. man! Right? <laughs> <laughs> I still do I still that. Do that, that actually. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's cool, man. Yeah, and there's kind of the interesting connection. Um, Equilibrium, yeah, I played at your show. It's kind of yeah. a connection with Steven, right? Yeah, that was one of the real reasons I uh, hearing about a Cowboy Bebop art show was like, that's it's one of these things I've been uh, becoming aware of lately, especially at Tower and showing things that in my mind like live in this, like you kind of said, like, I don't know that anybody else knows about this, yeah. like this, but I like it. It's this cult following stuff like in recent examples for us, like The Last Dragon 
Like <laughs> that was a movie where I, Show enough. Leroy. I honestly felt like for many years that movie didn't really exist because mm-hmm. I would talk to people and be like, have you ever seen this movie? It's like this guy, he's black Bruce Lee and he his, guy, his hands glow. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? You thought about? you Mandela affected yourself. We used to show that on like syndicated television, like yeah, all the that, time when I was yeah. a kid. And, but in my head it was so obscure that nobody knew about it. And then a handful of people wouldn't know. And so I would live my whole life thinking that and then we show it here and it's like, 80 people show up and half more costume <laughs> and quoting the whole movie. And I'm like, damn, like you, okay. <laughs> so like for the cowboy bebop art show, when I first saw that announced, I was like, Oh, other people really like this show. I mean, I knew I had my friends that liked it, introduced me to it. And then finding out the equilibrium, the thing I was most pissed off about was I did not get to see equilibrium perform tank. Yeah. It was one of the highlights of the show for it sure. It was amazing. Yeah. Like I even told Dan, <laughs> was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you really that. miss out. I worked with Dan at ACM at the time. And I told him after that, I was like, I'm going to hire you guys to just come play that song for me. One day. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. I just want you to show. You're up just running around the tower. I, I really think like them playing that show introduced a lot of people to jazz in Oklahoma city. Cause I would go to the speakeasy and I would talk to the, like these pretty young girls and they're, they'd just be like, we went to that cowboy bebop show. Thanks for booking equilibrium. We follow them around all over town now. And I just like, what? That's yeah. Dope. So it's like, Cowboy Bebop in general, I think, is a good entry point to jazz if you're not into jazz, like you were saying earlier. Yes. And uh, I think from that show, just Equilibrium playing Cowboy Bebop on another level, yeah. We're introducing jazz to people in Oklahoma City through Cowboy Bebop again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, kind of like in that vein, like, uh, I wanted to kind of explore, like, that Western influence. You know, it's like the the great American original you know, uh, great American anime yeah, no, <laughs> the uh, form of music, you know, jazz. And it's so heavily, it's such a heavy influence in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, was that kind of, you know, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but was that kind of the main draws for you guys? Like what, what was like the, the Western influence that you saw that you kind of brought you to that? And you may not necessarily have something that brought you in, but like, what's, I'm a, how prevalent is it to you and how important is that to you? I'm a big fan of film noir in general. So like, yeah. I don't know if like the jazz hooked me, but like I was watched, I watched that episode and a lot of the episodes aren't very serialized. You can just watch an episode and it'll just feel like you're watching a short movie, like a short noir movie with a lot of weird sci-fi, sci-fi elements and a really diverse cast for sure. But still I like just a really short noir movie. Jupiter jazz. Definitely. Yeah. For that, that that's for that one stuff. of my favorite episodes. Yes. Mine's horrible at names of things. You're mentioning all these episodes. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, what episode is it? Like something that happened. Like, Jupiter Jazz is the two parter in the middle of the very middle yeah. of the series. I actually kind of forget about those two episodes, mm-hmm. believe it or not, even though they continue like the main storyline. Um, because it becomes about Grin, the saxophone player, and yeah. not Spike and Vicious. And so I think oh, I kind of yeah. forget about it. But it does have the two I consider the two best tracks in the whole series, which is Space Lion and um, its sister song, Goodnight Julia, mm. um, that he plays. Um, it's a big epic. That's, that's Is that the one with the really, like, just soulful sax? Yeah. Like, yes, yes. Yes, that one. Exactly. I'm remembering it more because of the music. Like, Yeah. First epic gunfight, too. Like, the gunfight and it's epic, like... Just cops and robbers kind of stuff. Yeah, there. Just that episode specifically. There's so many good, um, just moments. But all talking about speaking of jazz and the Western influence. There's so and the titles of the episodes. There's so many little Easter eggs um, that kind of show how much uh, the creators of that show love not only jazz but rock music. I mean the 
The first episode with Faye is called Honky Tonk Woman, which is a Rolling Stones song. Uh, Sympathy for the Devil is one episode. Uh, obviously, another Rolling Stones song. There's the um, Pierre LeFou episode where they're doing a little montage of how the villain became the villain. And it's basically just a really kind of electronic bass run, which is really, really reminiscent of, um, I think, Floyd. maybe the second or third track yeah. on Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, which is, it is. It's like exactly the same. Yeah, it's almost... It's That's called, my favorite episode, yeah, by say, the way. Oh, right <laughs> on. Okay. Okay. I, love, right I love Pierre LeFou as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, check out... Watch that episode and then check out Pink Floyd's uh, On the Run. And it's almost... We're getting dangerously yeah. into like copyright infringement yeah. territory. <laughs> it really is. It's inspired um, by okay, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very it's very western in its its musical choices and its um in its aesthetic. You know, like what James was saying, it's very film noir influenced and and western influenced as well. The the very first um, episode. Even, even the storytelling, I mean, you're saying it's it's very serial, but like a lot of it's not. A lot of it's just like kind of standalone Monster of the Week episodes. And mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of indicative of American cartoons at the time, like Batman, Animated Adventure, uh, <laughs> like all that, all that stuff. I wondered if that wasn't like a Western influence, like not saying that they didn't have that but I want, in, in uh, Japan, but just knowing that that might have reached maybe a wider audience. I don't know if maybe they did it in that vein where they did kind of these uh, anthology almost episode, episodes along with the serialized episodes. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just re- well, grabbing for straws there or not. But No, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's interesting to me and that I really enjoy about a lot of different shows is when you have this arc that exceeds beyond a single episode – but at the same time, you still have the sort of Monster of the Week episodes. But even those still further the overall narrative where they develop the characters more. Like old, like the old school cartoons, like for example, G.I. Joe. Like there wasn't a G.I. Joe cartoon where I left like thinking more about Duke than I did the last. One. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know who Duke was. He's Duke. That's what he does. You know, you know, Cobra Commander is Cobra Commander. He does his thing. But this one is like you would see an episode and be like, oh, I've learned something new about Spike or I've learned something new about Jet. And even if that thing was completely self-contained in the context of the whole series, you know more, especially going back to Dragon Ball Z. When you compare that where it's like that story monster of the six and a half months. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's taken you 400 episodes to to just talk to that guy. You remember when he was running on the snake? Wait, snake yeah, way. Yeah, it's snake like way. Just, and he fell off in the middle of it. Yep. And you're like, "What? Yeah. Are you hell? kidding me?" <laughs> HFIO. Yeah, Let's the take home six episodes losers. to power up. <laughs> no lie, man. So I do think that maybe that's that you know episodic encapsulated thing could be some of the western because it seems like a lot of these other animes we've even mentioned they don't do that as often. It's more of these super long yeah. drawn out arcs that take yeah. the whole season to to tell you anything. I can't, I can't name another anime that's like Cowboy Bebop in that, well, maybe like Fooly Cooly a little bit, but even that's like, yeah, it's, it's still like connected. Same, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't name another anime that's just like this episodic, I guess. I didn't know, um, sorry, Mike, I didn't know if you were going to say, I didn't want to cut you off. Well, I was going to, I was just going to bring up Ghost in the Shell, how they have, what you're uh, kind of talking about. They have an overarching story, but they have, uh, it's like standalone complex. So they have standalone episodes that are yeah. literally called standalone episodes. And huh. so they kind of do that oh, one-off like kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So, it's like meta. Yeah, it's, it's kind <laughs> of, that show is brilliant too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. First season especially. I need to watch that. 
Um, so yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like that in that vein of thinking about Western animation and comparing. I know you can't really compare something because it's so, you know, it's subjective. But you know, compared to the shows that we see in America, like how do you think Cowboy Bebop pans up or compares? Do you think Cowboy Bebop is actually effectively better at telling like the stories across time? Do you think maybe they do certain things better and maybe American shows do a better job of other things? Like, what's your opinion on that? Well, I came from, uh, I came from like Dragon Ball Z to <laughs> Cowboy Bebop. Like I had seen other <laughs> shows before Dragon Ball Z, but I came from DBZ to Cowboy Bebop and it's so shocking. Like the, the change in how, oh, it's it, like night and day. how it presents its characters and how it presents information and storytelling for that matter. It's just, here it is. Here's everything right here, you know, but it leaves enough to where it's like, eh, like how did Spike and Jet meet? You know, it never explains that at all. But you don't really yeah. need to know because it all it just says here they're great. Friends. It just is. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're, they've it's been like together one in math. For, it's understood. Yeah, exactly. It's so. like chewing Han Solo up until now. It's just like <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what was uh, noticeable to me at first. Yeah, that. I, yeah. I, like I think that. it. It was. It's much uh, different back then to look at American television versus Cowboy Bebop. Um, American television, when Cowboy Bebop first came out, <clears throat> excuse me, compared to Cowboy Bebop is way different. But nowadays with streaming services and hmm. Netflix and things like that, you have things like Stranger Things and um, you know Mindhunter and the Marvel Comics stuff on Netflix to where you're actually getting a more... Um, either Japanese or European style of television where we're telling these contained stories within maybe nine episodes, maybe 13 episodes. And so I think there's the gulf between those two is has drastically uh, shortened. But uh, I, I do like that Cowboy B. It seems like it's almost perfectly paced. Yeah. You yeah. get... Some anim- you know, uh, I think about Gundam 8th MS Team, which is only about 12 episodes, 12, 13 episodes. But Bebop is maybe, what, 25, 26? 26, yeah. And you get, it, it's just, it's so perfectly paced because just when you think, okay, we've had too many episodes of the week, you get, it kind of lurches forward a little bit and you get just enough meat <laughs> to where I, I don't know it's just right I think when you're fiending they give they give you a hit yeah I think it's just it's, <laughs> the amount of episodes is perfect I, I think it just it gives you just enough not too much not too little which is a very hard thing to accomplish and a very rare thing to accomplish yeah it's very relaxing to watch I think in that sense because like you can do that monster of the week for a couple episodes and you're like you're not really like I don't got to focus on every detail mm-hmm. it's just kind of nice to watch and then bam then it's like yeah we're talking about things it's a you can <laughs> really you can really jump around in that series which yeah. you can't really do in a lot of other anime um and really even a lot of television now um so that that's yet another you know bit of praise I can heap upon it <laughs> <laughs> well it's just like a it's I think it is like we keep circling back to this idea, but it's like it's its own thing. Like you can't really compare anything to it. Yeah. And so I love like, you know, like you guys have mentioned, like you get a little bit of story and then there's like a little sidebar and then a little bit of story and sidebar. But it's it's perfect. Like you don't ever feel like, God, like this is really getting drawn out. 
Like you feel like in Dragon Ball Z, you feel like that all the time. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to how good the show is. Like, of course, they've updated like, uh, you know, they've been done like, done like a restoration and like kind mm-hmm. of cleaned up and like Kai. modernized it. Dragon Ball well, Kai. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Bebop specifically. Oh. Like there hasn't <laughs> been like cowboy bebop like x or something like yeah. an update like yeah. there's so many Thank different goodness. iterations cowboy bebop, the new yeah. class there's College so many years. uh different iterations of dragon ball z like you know there's yes. kai there's super there's there's all these other things that aren't canon and those are cool too but you don't really see that with cowboy bebop because it's just it's it is what it is it's here it is and this is what you know, this is what you get. It got in, got out, gave you enough, but left you wanting a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say that actually, for some reason, this reminded me of a, a conversation I had once uh, comparing the original Office versus the U.S. Office <laughs> and how, you know, the original Office from the U.K. was like two seasons. Yeah. And it was this just cult smash hit that was so big that we straight up stole it and <laughs> did our own. Ver- and I know Ricky Gervais was producing it and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't like a complete hack but like i'm i'm actually been slowly just periodically rewatching the u.s office and i'm way into like season seven or something at this point oh you can stop <laughs> and then it's like yeah it's kind of that point it's like uh, they're still kind of doing some things it's kind of funny here and there and i mostly it's like a mindless thing that i put on when i'm like trying to pass out or whatever but that's what something i think is different about western influences and i'm glad this influence didn't make it to cowboy bebop is when we find something that works over here, we just wring it dry. like Beat it over the head. We do uh, it until we overdo like, it. And a lot of people, like to go back to referencing Firefly, a lot of people are of the opinion that the reason Firefly is so popular now is because it, for whatever reason, it was encapsulated. And you can mm-hmm. feel the pacing change when they find out they got canceled. I, I always find that really interesting when I'm watching rewatching Firefly again. I'm like, oh, Here's the episode where you can tell they knew they were getting canceled because the storyline accelerates. Like, we got to wrap, <laughs> we gotta wrap yeah, stuff. We got to wrap this. Oh up. yeah, you like yeah. And you find out they're about to get canceled. Like, yeah, uh, like and everyone died. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what strikes me. I think about Cowboy Bebop is the fact that it, like you said, the pace is so good, and the fact that it is what it is. It feels like it was intentionally planned to be that way. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I love a, a closed, fixed story, and I, mm-hmm. as much as I would love to think that there are 500 episodes of Cowboy Bebop for me to go rewatch. I yeah. also know that that would probably destroy it at the yeah, same true. time. Absolutely. Like, it never lags and it never rushes. It's th- it's this weird, weird, perfect pace. I think they're talking about making a live action version of it. Like, yeah. Heard this. Oh, yeah. But like, we'll talk about I don't that know if, they're gonna, like, <laughs> if that's yeah. going to be 26 episodes or if it's just going to be. He's got, he's got that later on the list. Yeah. yeah. Not so <laughs> He's excited. No, but uh, something stuck out to me what, what Casey said earlier is like the reason that maybe it has lasted so long is because of what was happening around that time and versus now, like we have so much like instantly like that's accessible. But, you know, I wasn't even like even thinking about doing this episode. I was still looking at the show from like my 2001 like glasses like Mm -hmm. still thinking it was that year i'm still i still think of that show and revere it as much as i did whenever i was first watching it Mm -hmm. and so i like i've never i I, like mentally i haven't updated it and so like that's i think that's why for me like it's so you know it's something that sticks out so much and stands the test of time because it's like so tied to a time in your life 
Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, you think of episodes and you think of what you're doing just on the day to day. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember when that episode came out. Like I was like, whatever, 14 or whatever. And I, and I think that's however one, old I was. I think that's one of the things that can make a television show very special for you, even though we don't like it nowadays, is the idea of if you watched it on Toonami, you got one episode, that's all you got for the next 24 hours. Oh, you yeah. Got, you got your 22-minute fix, and that was all you there got until no the next There was no instant gratification. There was no, there was no binge watching. And so it, I feel like it can make it much more special uh, for you than maybe if you watched it, you know, in a weekend. Oh, or not. So, I mean, I some people love taking that I think eight hour journey. Yeah, I think there's truth to that. Like that I, you know, for example, if, uh, I just finished season one of my hero academia and like, I like that show and I think it's really good. Like, I think I'll, I'll keep watching it and it's one that I'm interested in, but I don't think it's ever going to get to cowboy bebop status. But I, mean, I think it is, it's like the, the idea that you stuck with it mm-hmm. and that it was part of your life. Like it was like a thing, like now you can go and watch anything anytime. Mm-hmm. But back then it's like, Oh, Saturday night I'm watching Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's, it's an event to you and that, it, it's, it's so it, much it, more tied to like your personal life. And it hit you at a special time too. I binged it the first time I watched it. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I I didn't, I didn't see I oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're just yeah, we're just jerking each other off. Don't worry. I didn't have cable, so that I just had to I had to binge watch it on yeah. DVD. James oh. nodding real nice when I'm talking. He's like, I don't fucking. I mean, agree I feel that all, way but... about like like Buffy <laughs> just, the Vampire Slayer, like Angel. Like I used to like get really up for those Wednesday nights to watch like Buffy and Angel. Like yeah. Well, you see, to that point too, I was gonna say like the one thing that I don't think this would be the case with Cowboy Bebop because we've talked about how well it's paced and how it's it's even kind of relaxing and things to watch. But like I'm I've been started watching the expanse this isn't an anime obviously but a sci-fi show and i actually can't i can't binge the expanse yeah it's too much it's too intense and there's too many things going on that like after one or two episodes i'm kind of just like okay i need to yeah, like overload to that down for a minute <laughs> yeah and i tried to binge to let's Black watch some Mirror. of the office season seven real quick yeah exactly exactly <laughs> no it's like my default is like any star trek just put it on at the end of the night and i'll be fine oh yeah it doesn't matter which one it is. And I tried. That, that's something that I was trained to do similarly to this is when I was growing up, the only time I could get Star Trek was they would do back-to-back episodes of Next Generation and Deep Space Nine on, like, weekdays. After the news. After the news. Yeah. It's like, so it was, like, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. Yeah, I, used to watch, I used to watch yeah, it. Yeah, Mike knows. My parents went to bed after the news. My brother had moved out so i finally got the family computer and like i would sit there and watch my episodes of star trek and i would just be behind the computer and that was my, mm-hmm. my thing and it was my late <laughs> night so now like at the end of the day you want to shut me off put on next generation yes <laughs> but see that's like your thing it's, it's so yeah. tied to a time in your life that, that that's like your thing you could put it on any time yeah 100 percent. and what's surprising to me too this is kind of a tangent here but surprising how i will still to this day i've probably watched next generation as an example i've probably watched that entire series 50 times honestly like <laughs> i it, it's just almost constantly at some point in my life it's it's playing <laughs> but there are still times where i'm watching going i have never seen this oh, before yeah. yeah or i do not remember it in the slightest like and this happened as frequently as like two months ago i was watching something and i was like i legitimately don't remember this and I don't know how that's possible at this point in my life. But it's like a treat, though, isn't but it? But it is. It's, it's, it's exactly a treat. So I, I, I'm glad that when I watched Cowboy Bebop, I got it in these little chunks. Because then even if you missed an episode and, like, you you know, hopefully it wasn't 
one of the more important episodes for the major <laughs> arc. But if it was, then you're like, crap, now I have to like go back and find it and I have to seek yeah. it out. And I know I'm missing it. And I think that we nowadays, like you can accidentally just burn yourself out and you couldn't do that back then. It was appointment consumption. Yeah. Like you had to make oh, yeah. time for it. And it was a lot. Granted, of, it was midnight, so you weren't really doing much else. Yeah, that's true. Eating hot in Cheetos. Your teens or 20s. But, yeah. <laughs> Mountain Dew and whatever. Hey, that's me, man. Like, literally, like, I still remember, like, prepping. Like, I had a whole prep. Like, okay, shit, Cowboy Bebop's in 10 minutes. Let me go get my hot Cheetos. Let me go get my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Bring a backup just in case I finish that one. I don't want to have to get up. Like, it was a thing. Like, I prepared for it. But it, that's well, yeah, like, cause yeah. Back then, like, your only time you could leave was commercial break. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, like, like, you're like, okay, but I got to save those for when I have to pee. Like, exactly. <laughs> it was pizza rolls for me. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> any, like, yeah, it's any experience you can kind of project onto that because mm-hmm. it was like your thing back then. Mm-hmm. And so it was much more of an experience. So. And, and I do, we all are also very lucky that it, it holds up. There, there's some things that we watched as kids that oh, yeah. do not hold like up. Like Beetleborgs, all that stuff. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Be, oh, okay. be careful now. My bad. Be careful now. Now, uh, like, I tried to watch uh, Transformers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Through these nice reactions, I'm quickly realizing how much older I am. Are you, are you talking about all of you? Transformers or Beast Wars? Sorry. No, I'm, I'm talking about 1984 G1 Transformers. Yeah. I, would, I would try and watch those. And there's, there's scenes where maybe Hound is purple. And there was kind of some animation snafus. That was the third tier animation team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and when I think of Transformers, I immediately think of the Transformers movie. And we're going off on a huge tangent here because now we're talking about Transformers on a Cowboy Bebop podcast. Hey. But I think of the movie. Shoot your shot. And that was very, that was a lot of money went into that. And so I go back and watch like the episode, the first episode with the Dinobots or with Skyfire. And <laughs> it's like, Ooh, ooh! Mm. Some things are out of place or missing here, <laughs> and it's it's quaint in its own way. But after a few episodes, you just gotta kind of go. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna watch my Blu-ray of the uh, of the movie. Yeah, and get my Unicron on. I think you're spot on with the Transformers because I remember renting it when I was like 22 or 23. If somebody had a copy of it, mm-hmm. and we watched an episode. And I remember literally it was like this plot point and Optimus Prime had to go save somebody and go into this cave and he looks at his crew and he's like, hey, I want to go in there. If I don't come out here in five minutes and you think he's about to be really heroic and say, leave, but he goes, come in after me. And, oh! I, and we're just like, what is this? This is so, this doesn't make any sense. out, Optimus. <laughs> they I go in here and get brutally murdered, come right behind me. <laughs> Why don't they just come with you? They use the, they'll yeah, use the same shots. Everyone. There'll be yeah. four shots of them transforming and rolling out, and it'll be the same <laughs> shot, only they flipped it, maybe. Yeah. Hey, it's, yeah, flip it, horizontal did a lot for people back then. And I think that's something, too, that sticks out to me. Like, we, is it, you can tell it wasn't like a machine produced like that. And when I made that reference about third tier animation thing is I don't remember when I learned this, but like that in shows like transformers, especially in the United States, like there was the, the primary artists and yes. they did all the really important cells and the really drastic moments. And then it was like, okay, we hit all the hot points now, uh, you know, second tier guys, you fill in the gaps. And so that's why you get those weird little quirks with like, why is it when he started to run, he changed color? Yeah. It was like, oh, it's because that guy wasn't paying much attention. The, uh, the <laughs> price trying guys, to get like his thing. He was like, hey, that was me. Yeah. You see me turn purple? Yeah. That was <laughs> that me. The pricey guys were always the first and last segments of the episode. And then in between you get your, yeah, your purple, uh, 
Bumblebee and your red jazz. And <laughs> That's all that so stuff. funny. It's just the nature of like animation at that time too. It's like, not cheap. <laughs> Well, that's what I think sticks out about Cowboy Bebop is we're talking about everything from the music to the aesthetic of it to the mixing of these influences. There was a lot of you can just it it comes across that there was a lot of time and attention to detail and oh, yeah. care in this show that you didn't get on something like you know, G.I. Joe and Transformers <laughs> and stuff like that. Like those were great shows and they had their purpose and they live in my memory as something <laughs> But yeah. it's not the same thing, and it's very clear the difference between. Yeah, you, those. you get the idea that every frame is like very purposeful with Cowboy Yeah, Bebop. it's the um, is it Stanley Kubrick's every frame of painting. Like mm-hmm. that's the that's why when you watch a Stanley Kubrick film, literally, there's the thing I love about watching directors like that is you know every single nowadays pixel or film grain back then or whatever was there intentionally there's not a mistake there's not a there's not like was that thing flying in the background was that supposed to be like no yeah that was supposed to be there in fact stanley kubrick probably shot that four thousand times until that thing (laughs) made the exact right arc it was supposed to make in the background and then went back to berating shelly duvall yeah it had no purpose in the film did nothing but it was supposed to be there like yeah and that's kind of what cowboy it feels like everything was supposed to be there and yeah. was, even the even the one-off episode of the week stuff, it wasn't unintentional. It had some purpose for it. Yeah, and I think the the deeper themes, you know, one of the things that contributed to making that show great is uh, the characters. And so that was really what I was wanting to get into with with you, with you guys. Like, I feel like every character has like a really great exposition, but I didn't know if maybe one character from the series uh, stuck out to you as like. You know, like, wow, that's a really good story or wow, I really identify with them. Did you guys have any of that? Like whenever you're when you're watching, you're like, this is really cool. Like, I like him or her. I think ever the cool thing about Bebop is everybody gets their moment. Everybody gets their episode. It's like an ensemble. At least at least their own episode, if not episodes. Uh, For me personally, it was it's uh, Spike's journey, but not necessarily his his rivalry or whatever you want to call it with vicious it's this is a guy who up until the last episode is chasing a ghost and to go back to the jupiter jazz episode there's only for the most part the character of spike is very laconic very laid back whatever there's only blase yeah there's only two things you can say that will make him go nuts one is the word vicious and the other is the word Julia. And so there's that you don't really know for most of the series what it is. It's very kind of fuzzy. Uh, but you know he's chasing this woman that is always um, three steps ahead. Just is, she even, is she even alive still? And so it's this kind of – it's like he's chasing a ghost um, that has – it's this person that's deeply, deeply affected him uh, for good and bad. Yeah. You yeah, I agree. You mentioned this kind of earlier, I think, in a way, but it when you said that, it reminds me of it's the it's part of the power I think the original Star Wars trilogy had, where you were just dropped into the middle of this story and you could people often say, you know, things about one of the things about great about Star Wars is it's a universe that looks lived in and it has all these things. It's like you're saying about Spike, like 
you, you're dropped right into it and you're, you're meeting Spike and Jack and you're like, okay, these are interesting characters. And obviously I don't care how they met or all that stuff. But then all throughout the series, there are these little moments. Like, you know, the first time you vicious becomes a thing and you see Spike's reaction, like, whoa, wait a minute. What's that story about? Yeah. Like I knew there was backstory, but I didn't know there was a complicated backstory. I didn't know there was like all of this stuff. And I think that's really compelling when you pull that off. And I also think too, that plays to the favor of it being a, encapsulated story and the fact that we've not gotten any kind of extension to it or you know we we all saw what happened when we got the backstory to the original star wars trilogy <laughs> is we as fans <laughs> filled it in in our minds yeah it's we created that backstory of, oh you know this was that that was this and so when somebody else came along whether they were the original mind behind it or not and defined it for you it just completely destroyed that yeah. I think that's what's great about Cowboy Bebop is when it does start to reveal the backstory, it does it in such this weird little way that you're just like, okay, now I know he hates that guy. Why does he hate that guy? Oh, <laughs> now I know he's really into that guy. Why is he into that Wait, are, the, are they alive? Are they dead? I don't know. As opposed to being like just getting a flashback episode where we just get the story of Julia and Vicious yeah. and, and all that. We just got these little things along the way that just kept kind of creeping It's like a towards. tickler. Like, hey, do you remember this is a thing still? Yeah. And you're like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't so much connect the dots as just kind of tease. Like you're like, yeah, Hey, this is a thing. Don't, don't forget. You dots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which to continue with star Wars, like I think that's why for me, rogue one was so great because I knew it was more story that I already kind of knew, but it was never ever defined in any of the other properties. So they had room to play. And then by the very end of that, to literally walk it right up to the moment. <laughs> yes. It began. Yep. It was just like, Okay, you didn't break any of my what my version of that story was because I didn't really have one, and there were no characters. I mean, there were a few characters that you recognize and things like that, but to just to connect it that way was so strong. Oh yeah, I think that was great. Yeah, because you're like, oh shit, and then you're like, oh, I guess he's, none of these guys are surviving. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler. I don't know if you haven't seen Rogue One yet, but uh, you need to get on that. They all die. <laughs> I mean, if you hey, watch we the all original do, right? Star Wars, this is they, they, they all say, die. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we all do. Someday, a lot of people die to get so. this information. Yep. But that was the second Death Boffin. Star plan. <laughs> yeah. What Bo- do you think, Boffin Mike? spies. Well, uh, which point are we on? Uh, just just character-wise. Like, <laughs> oh, is, characters. Is there someone that, you, uh, there, okay. that stood out to you or that you really was a fan of their story? Yeah. Uh, I think, okay, this is an interesting thing. So it's been like 18 years since I've first seen the series, something like that. Um, I was much younger, obviously, then, and I kind of, I really did connect to Spike. I thought he was really cool, that he was, like, <laughs> laying around all the time smoking, and then, you know, when something happened, he finally got up and did something. But And I also thought it was kind of cool that he just, like, hated everything, like, the whole <laughs> series and, and everybody, you he's, know? He's kind of like Garfield. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and he eats a lot, yeah. So he's just kind of mildly annoyed. <clears throat> uh, but I thought those things were cool that he just laid around and hated everything and smoked. <laughs> but then now I that, love that he hated everything. Well, now <laughs> that I'm this age, I kind of connect to Jet a lot more, you know, just, and I'm kind of like, why Why does Spike hate everything? You know, that, that kind of, <laughs> that's stupid. So, yeah. uh, and then Jet, you know, he has his, uh, like, fatherly wisdom and uh, he, he's, I guess, just seems like the most thoughtful character in hindsight, you know, all the other ones act so um, rashly, you know, kind of impulsively. But he's the one that's like thinking of strategies and uh, trying not to destroy everything in the process because usually he had to repair everything. Yeah. But 
and he was like the cook and you know things like he that was a, he was a jack of all trades yeah i just kind of relate to him a little bit more yeah, yeah. After, after all these years <laughs> yeah i think if you know if you think about it now like i wonder if you know maybe spike his whole vibe was just because he was jaded you know up to that point like until you get to the end when he figures out what happened to julia he's jaded he's like man like my girl like abandoned me because like they were supposed to meet and he was gonna she was supposed to kill him they they do kind of let you see a little bit of spike kind of caring about people towards like the last few episodes like he kind of cares for Faye, like in her situation like her backstory episode like he kind of just lets her do her thing and they kind of seek out the the Betamax player for her <laughs> for her yeah. tape, you know. So they go through all that trouble just that to like true, yeah. figure out her past for her, you know. So I don't know. The, the, he kind of changes throughout the series, and I think that's the point. But yeah, well, I think yeah. it's great because it leads to that feeling for me that you know something happened in his past because what you start to learn about Spike is that he doesn't care, he's whatever, he's smoking all the time, whatever. But then he's also like this ridiculous badass and you start to get this sense of like he's just somehow he's seen it all he's he's been burned by something he's and nothing nothing like triggers him anymore outside of these few very specific things and that's what makes those so powerful is like he can sit there and be flying that damn ship through every kind of chaos and roundhousing everybody and just being <laughs> badass. But, and then just wind back with his hands in his pockets and a cigarette in his mouth and like, damn, just nothing phases this guy until Julia or until Vision. Like, uh, okay, why is that? So, I will say there's one episode where Spike gets really animated and really mad and that's the episode with Andy, the cowboy guy that's like oh, yeah. blonde Spike. They look exactly the same Oh yeah, and he's riding a horse everywhere and that, that episode Spike gets so mad and he's like, <laughs> doesn't even care about the bounty he just goes after Andy, you know, after a while and they kind of hate each other. So you, This is back to the live action movie but I have, uh, remind me that I have a great casting for that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright, keep that in my little teaser for later. James, was there any character that you? Uh... Um, everybody liked Spike. I yeah. mean, but Ed, I think Ed is a really great character. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, Ed was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. She's like so free and like I don't know. This is like a really She's nice quirky. Note. Yeah, like, yeah. And not even I don't. I can't really describe it. It's just really fun to have her around in the series. She's kind of like that irreverent that free spirit because she's always like moving around like like a cat very she's jelly. like a little she's kid, like a cat yeah. yeah it's it's very much drunken master to me like because at the same time she's goofy and freaking out but she's also like pulling off ridiculous crap and you're like oh you, you think that she's just like screwing around and throwing crap around and the next thing you know she's taking control of an entire satellite network and <laughs> yeah. she's a savant That's so, so like, she could draw a picture on the ground like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, between her and spike and the dog it's like they'll have like these I just know. hidden talents between them like yeah, they're just I like kind of low-key but then they're just badasses like the dog yeah. might be the strongest character in the yeah. series uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that took a few ep- watchings of the series for me to realize how smart Ayn is yeah. like there's like they they show you a little bit here and there like he like figures out things before everyone else does yeah. and they're like oh you're just a dumb dog <laughs> but it's you know. true yeah and it's like uh even like to reference the movie um there's a scene where uh, uh jet and spike are playing chess shoji yeah yeah and Ayn makes a move for Jet, and it's like actually a really good move. 
And Jet's like, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Uh, yeah, that's my move. <laughs> and so it's just funny because it's like one of those things. It's like a nod to Ein, like being a genius. And so it's just funny, like almost like an Easter egg type little thing. Um, but yeah, kind of in that vein, like speaking of the movie, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys all like rewatched it or if you remember about it a whole lot, but I thought the movie was really strong. The movie's great. Uh, yeah. It's just like a really nice episode. Like It really kind of, is. It's yeah. kind of just like uh, its own thing. Again, self-contained, just like a good episode of Cowboy Bebop, and it's really nice. Yeah, I think they, they I didn't try know. to like go above and beyond like and try to get out of like the whole vibe of the show. I think it really does go along really well. Like It fits cohesively well. Yeah. It's so much so that at this point, I haven't watched any of this in so long, <clears throat> I can't tell you where the two things separate or delineate from each other. Like... I couldn't tell you what happened in the movie right now, but I could, if you said one scene out of like, Oh, okay. That's where the movie was. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. <laughs> so I, I would say that plays to it's being very cohesive with the rest of the series. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, like canonically it's supposed to take place between like the third to last episode and like between like mushroom Samba or something like that, just because they're all alive and they're all still on the ship and they're all, like still hanging out. So I think that's where it's supposed to be. But, uh, I've read some fan theories where it takes place after the series and like, doesn't yeah, actually, I've heard die that too. too. It's like, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Though. Or it's like a dream. Yeah. S- sequence. I don't know. That'd be kind of like uh, people fitting. trying to fill in those gaps. That's so cowboy bebop for real. Like <laughs> one thing I think that is like, um, sort of, um, like in a, a good and bad thing, a double edged thing for me with the movie is, um, the antagonist, uh, he, he just seems like another vicious to me. And only if you gave vicious yeah. more backstory and more, more screen time, yeah. that's who he is. Cause he's just like spikes mirror. I mean, they're both just like, this is just a waking dream, you know? And they just keep <laughs> saying stuff like that, the whole movie. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of felt like, well, maybe they could have done something different with the villain, but at the same time, I'm Fair like, enough. well, that's kind of cool that they did do that. Cause yeah. I always wanted to see more vicious. So what did you say the name of the episode was? You felt like it came after uh, mushroom Samba. So the movie is spike on a mushroom trip. Yeah. I, yeah. It could be. Yeah. And oh. he's like, that was why yeah. that was named mushroom Samba. <laughs> I think, I think Glad that's I the one. Yeah. Woke. It could be. I mean, that's crazy. I never put that together. Uh, Casey, did you have like any experience with, like the movie, or was there anything that stuck out? Or uh, I've actually never seen the movie. Oh. oh, you're in for a treat. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and yeah. you got to watch it. Up until now, I I was always under the assumption uh, that it was something that they tried to shoehorn in canonically after the show ended. So I had no really ever want to. Uh, you didn't want to like, see spoil that. your perception. Well, just because the show is so perfectly, like we've been saying, it's so perfectly put together. It's just, it's this. And I feel like to go and watch a movie, would it just kind of be like a tag hanging off the end of it. You'd get into sort of that alien covenant territory mm. or... Case um, is a purist. Well, no, it's <laughs> just, it's like, it's like a, you have a song and it's got a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then it would be like, well, let's try and tack something onto the end there. It's called a reprise case. A coda. (laughs) A coda. (laughs) The music guy. (laughs) You gotta watch it. It's the the best animation and the best fight scenes in in all of the whole 
Kevin Bale. Peters. I would be like, if if you can even just if you didn't have time to watch the series, you could just probably watch that movie and kind of just understand what the entire series is. Just I feel like you guys want to watch, want to watch me watching it. Maybe <laughs> just yeah. one of those things of secret panel. <laughs> Let's yeah. see what his reaction to this is. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. Now, now that I know that it takes place within a pocket of the actual um, series, yeah, uh, I might have to check that out. Oh yeah, it's it's good. It's worth a watch. I think you, I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Okay. Yeah, the, the fight scene at the uh, medical plant. I won't spoil too much for you, but there's <laughs> just some of the fight scenes are just they're well yeah. choreographed. Like the animation is so great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they had a bigger budget, you know, right. than an episode, so they there's just so much more frames to everything, mm-hmm. and like the angles that they like punch at and stuff. It's really cool yeah. to watch. Okay. I'm kind of glad we didn't get too much into it. Then I I yeah. know you hadn't seen it. I was like, we could have ruined the whole thing for I didn't you. Even no, say I'm, the pretty name sure, of the I'm pretty sure yeah. the bad guy dies and surprised. everybody, all the good guys live. <clears throat> well, whatever. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of speaking of like the movie, um, it's something we've kind of talked about throughout this episode. But um, I remember seeing something about them wanting to make a live adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. And so I wanted to get you guys' thoughts and maybe some casting ideas. Um, yeah, like if it was up to you, like who would you cast for? It could either be a show. They could either redo the show with live cast or a movie. What do you What do you guys think? Who Who do you pull for that? I, I would say first and foremost, I 100% do not want a live action Cowboy Bebop. That's the thing I was going to say. Just don't. I, I feel like... <laughs> just entertain it, guys. Come it's, on. Oh, I, I will defi- <laughs> I'm definitely going to entertain it, but it's just... It's one of those things to where that movie gets... Or that, that show... I'm talking about the movie, and now I'm yeah, about the movie. movie um, Cowboy Bebop, like Dragon Ball Z, gets... And a lot of anime, really, gets by so much on style. Um, you saw what the Dragon Ball Evolution movie... Oh yeah, Akira Toriyama has a very defined style, um, and it's really hard. You see it with superhero movies. Yeah, some of it's, it's lost. Really in live hard. Action. Yeah, it's really hard to get um, a Frank Miller type tone out of a live action movie for like Batman Superman. Uh, so I feel like it. It's sort of unfilmable. And you can try, and I'm pretty sure there's somebody who wants to try and, you know, that's a, a pig that's just ripe for the, uh, I completely blanked on the phrase I'm trying to say, but uh, that's, so, yeah, I guess, I guess, <laughs> a pig um, and ripe. cut that Harold. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I, as far as casting goes, I would, so the caveat of don't do it, but here's what I would do. Don't do it. But if you got to do it. As far as Spike, Spike's really hard um, just because there's, he's angry and just kind of jokey at the same time. The closest I can come is maybe like a, a Ryan Gosling uh, after seeing 2041 uh, or 2049, excuse me. Um, I was like, yeah, that's, but Spike's hard. Uh, Jet, um, I can see The Rock. Oh, doing shit. that, yeah, I, I that'd be crazy. That. Actually, uh, Bautista, Dave Bautista. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, and he's Guardians got the, of the Galaxy joint. He's oh, got the chops. I was but, thinking of like the guy who plays J. Jonah Jameson from like, or the guy from Whiplash, J.K. Simmons, <laughs> J.K. Simmons. <laughs> oh man, get like, Yeah, it's Jet. I'm sorry, because oh. he's like grouchy and he's just like <laughs> that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, so, I'm gonna jump in here because I, I uh, tell me you guys have seen this uh, popped up for you and I just pulled it up because if you haven't seen it you have to Spike 
Benedict Cumberbatch. I'd seen I've, that. Why have you seen, seen that? this no. Photoshop? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's Photoshop. I've seen it. Oh, wow. And it looks really good. His yeah. cosplays as him before, too. That is pretty really good. Kind of, wow. Yes. So he looks really good in the part. Not, but And I also think he could pull off. I think Spike. you're right, yeah. I mean, Bene- I'm Benedictine cucumber. Kind of like, I, I, yeah, I, I can be, I don't care, but also I could be about it, you know. I fully support yeah, Build-A-Bear Cabbage that's Patch good. for yeah. Spike. But I will, I will also throw this caveat that if you're going to do this with him, you've only got a few more years before he does Oh, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. that's what the, the original thing I saw said Keanu Reeves, and I'm like, uh oh. And to that part, I mentioned earlier that I have that perfect cast for the cowboy guy, Owen Wilson. Oh, Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, for, like, wow, Bebop. Wow. For I, You were talking about you only have a few years to use um, Cabbage Patch. Um, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing for Ed. Um, three years ago, I feel like Millie Bobby Brown from oh, Stranger yeah. Things would have been perfect. 11. But those kids are growing up incredibly yeah. fast. So I feel like that one might be... Um, really hard to cast and maybe cast an unknown or yeah that would that'd have to be one of those like breakout on this and this might be sacrilege but I don't know if you even need Ed in that movie damn I feel like that might be a lot of like a Spider-Man 3 type thing where you're trying to fit too much in maybe if you're doing a movie this is your television show you can do whatever you want oh okay this is your casting oh okay well in that case, can we, can we like Bula, do like Drew Barrymore from ET? Yeah. Oh, yeah, from this year. From yeah, time. You can do that. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis as Ed yeah. because he can play anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real chameleon, that guy. Yeah. Know, Dana Dana Carvey. Carvey. <laughs> I'm a crazy Dana Dana Carvey. <laughs> well, Dana Carvey, I think, would be a good Gary Oldman. <laughs> um, for Vicious, I know that Keanu Reeves has been attached to play Spike, he really wants to do a bebop movie but i think a, a clean shaven sandy haired uh long haired keanu reeves would be perfect for that sort of coiled murderous guy that vicious is after john wick i think i think he could do that i mean i'd, I'd like to see keanu reeves yeah. killing people with a sword and a giant raven <laughs> that'd be cool <laughs> um uh, what about Faye? for me i think it's a, a brunette jennifer lawrence Hmm. Uh, or, or also, this is your casting. Or I mean, also, Jennifer say... Lawrence for Julia as well. <laughs> oh, well. that would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She kind of looks like that Julia in her new movie. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, the Red Raven. Red Sparrow. Was it Red yeah. Sparrow? Yeah. Yes. That's funny, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Who? Maybe. Uh oh. What is her? Maybe Jamie Alexander for Faye. Um, yeah, who's she who? was, uh, she played Sif, I believe in the Thor movies. And there's that, oh. uh, that NBC show blind spot, the, where she's the agent with all the tattoos. Oh yeah. Okay. So I yeah. Feel like she, um, oh, she's strong yeah, enough. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. to That's be good. A, a hurt. That's a solid casting. Casey. Thank you. I'll give you an A on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to be a casting director when I grow up. <laughs> We're going to make all sorts of pictures. <laughs> Uh, James, do you have any like any things that you would add? To, I mean, you don't have to necessarily go through every single character. But. I mean, I guess like for Jet, I would pick like Ron Perlman or like J.K. Simmons, like somebody just older and just Ron like, Perlman, kind of like or uh, J.K. Simmons. That was I can get behind that. Yeah, that was a good idea. J.K. Simmons could get that ripped though. Like, uh, I mean, maybe that's true. I just like from an acting perspective, I would look for somebody who could like pull off just like just, just like the grouchy, this, like Danny yeah. Glover kind of bullshit. <laughs> 
Um, Spike, I need pictures of Spider-Man. For Spike, I, don't, <laughs> I always kind of pictured him as kind of like Middle Eastern Asian kind of like because he has yeah. like the Afghani gun. Isn't his gun from like Afghanistan? Like uh, it's a, a Jericho 451. Or, yeah. Or Jericho 914 nine, or something like that. So like, <laughs> I don't know that, that what kind of actor that would be. Yeah, it's like an Israeli actually, pistol. Uh, <laughs> it's a reference back to the, the lead guy in The Expanse. Have you guys watched that show? I haven't watched no. it. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name because... I'll have to look it up here and maybe find a picture, but he kind of has the, I mean, just fast forward, you know, a couple hundred years. So races have mixed together pretty. So everybody's kind of gotten the, the yeah. sort of middle ground tones. And, but he is that very like, is it that guy? You can't see yeah. this right <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. dear listener, but Steven yeah. straight, Steven straight. Well, we can reference Harold them. has Google Calm image search. <laughs> Yeah. He could do a good spike. So you're saying Steven Strait is spite? Yeah, he'd be a good spike, I think. I can see that. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually a, He is kind of ethnically ambiguous. The Expanse, who's kind of this big, <laughs> gruff dude that plays alongside him. Be Jet. That would work really well as Jet, too. <laughs> so yeah, just, just... Just cast The Expanse. Yeah, it's just... Season three of The Expanse is just going to be Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> They're already kind of out in space dealing with a bunch of random bullshit. It's essentially anyway. Cowboy Bebop already anyway. Gentlemen, start your Photoshop. Just do like a crossover <laughs> yeah. episode. Um, do you have any other ideas for like any of those other um, characters? For Faye, I wouldn't know. Probably, I don't, I just don't know. But somebody who played like kind of like a Jessica Jones kind of style character. Like she's just a drunk and she's kind of shitty to deal with, but she's like likable. Uh, anybody can pull that off, I guess. Yeah. Just go up to to uh, cowboys, it, like, grab keep, somebody. I keep going to Anne Hathaway, <laughs> and mostly Hathaway. because of Colossal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anne Hathaway might be a better Julia. I yeah. think she has like the yeah. demeanor, uh, maybe like that sort of calm. She uh, doesn't. I don't think Anne Hathaway has the sort of the the viciousness, like that that darkness, that underside of darkness, just from seeing her playing Catwoman. There didn't seem to be that. She's like too luxurious as a thief. Yeah, right? she. Yeah, she's. I mean, Anne Hathaway is a classy lady, and uh, <laughs> undoubtedly, and, and Faye Valentine is not a classy. lady. She can pull it off though. Like she can go to an she opera. Could, she can yeah. sneak into an opera and like look not look too out of place. Okay, I'll say it again. Daniel Day Lewis for Faye Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Do you uh, change any of those? Or do you have any amendments or um, do you have your own? Okay, so I. I heard you ask this question, and I, from my entire Cowboy Bebop watching career, have just been like, no, no live action, no, never. Never, not ever, and so I've never thought about it before. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Well, I will not even entertain your question, sir. I know, yeah. god dang. <laughs> I, I, I've got nothing. I, yeah, I could maybe see like someone like Natalie Portman actually doing Faye, because oh. uh, I think she's got like the the chops to yeah. get, get those highs and lows yeah you know a Faye because Faye can you know she's got a very uh I think her, almost her more than anyone else deals with the loneliness mm-hmm. you know because she just doesn't even belong in the time oh yeah you know yeah. so uh, and she doesn't even know who she is and so there's a lot of lows with her um I mean the whole show is about loneliness but yeah. we'll have to put uh, Portman do on do any of us actually books. know who we are I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. come on that's a different uh, podcast but I, I could definitely see her getting that, you know, that go go getter attitude too, you know, that Faye has. So definitely, I don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar with this actually, but I'm cheating. I'm looking oh. at a Nerdist article on Cowboy <laughs> Bebop casting. <laughs> I think I read the same article about a year ago. They've got an actress, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, yes, as Faye, and this picture kind of really seals the deal. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. Again, she great, played great uh, Ramona. Yeah. Yeah. Ramona Flowers. Oh, in, uh, oh, Scott oh yeah. 
She's yeah, great. we'll put these, we'll put these pictures sequel. on the on the social post. Don't worry. Yeah. One thing, uh, though, I will say for me with casting a live action movie is Spike. To me, his the voice is Steve Bloom. Oh it's yeah, only yes. Steve Bloom. Yeah. And so, if you cast someone that has like a, like a higher tone voice, it's yeah. just not going to work. Vicious. Yeah. Well, or just like like Ryan Gosling. I mean, I just couldn't see it because his voice is too. We'll just too put uh, we'll just put Bloom's voice. Yeah, over. Steve Bloom <laughs> just overdub it. Yeah. Oh God. That'd be so cringy. You, I don't know how you would find someone that could like match that physique that looks with Steve Bloom's voice. Like <laughs> yeah, it's just so it's kind of lanky, lanky, skinny, so, young. You know, he's so but has gangly, that, but but that deep. Yeah, uh, can really get that like film noir gritty voice. James yeah. Langford. James Langford. <laughs> <laughs> we were saying that earlier. Yeah, redheaded Spike. Yeah, I have a lot more free time in about a year. I'm. I'm stealing a couple more I just found on a different site. Okay. Because they're good for Jet. Oh, Bruce okay. Willis. Oh. I can see, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. I might agree with the be- the next one better, Gerard Butler. For Jet? For Jet. For Jet. Hmm. He's older now. He could probably. He is. Yeah. He might. Bald Gerard. I just watched yeah. Geostorm. Don't ask me why. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in space and he was doing cool stuff. You're like, oh, is that Jet? Yeah, it kind of had a jet vibe to it. So <laughs> it took me forever to connect that he was in Phantom of the Opera. Who was uh, Gerard? What? Gerard Butler played the Phantom in the um, the uh, movie version of Phantom of the Opera. I did not know that. I did not know that. Either. He's very pitchy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's all right. He's all right. This <laughs> is the opera. I thought it was really weird when, he, he, plays the, when uh, he, organ. Kicked, yeah. he kicked a Frenchman into a pit. And I thought that was really weird. <laughs> I don't remember strange. that part of the story. But uh, I really felt it helped the story. Speaking of aging action actors who are pitchy, can't, I mean, Hugh Jackman, does he fit into that? Oh. I mean, Jet's kind of the Wolverine-y look. Yeah, 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 yeah. The facial hair, for sure. Just And I think Hugh Jackman kind of has that calmness to him like Jet does. See, that's why Gerard Butler has such like an intense look yeah. to him. I, I think, I don't know if he could pull off Jet. I don't know. Jet was always the most, like I said, like thoughtful and calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, they're actors. They could be. Commanded. I guess that's true. Daniel yeah. Day Lewis. This is why yeah, I have for Daniel Day Lewis. Why doesn't he just play? But them also, all? if you're picking like guys like Bruce Willis, they don't really. Ha- he doesn't really have that much range. I mean, Bruce. Uh, I guess Hugh Jackman does though. He could probably. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. Jackman definitely does. It would yeah, be Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis I can see that it would be Bruce Willis being Bruce yeah. Willis <laughs> in, with, like a, with a silver arm, <laughs> just kind of acting like he doesn't want to be there, and just kind of huffing around. Just, yeah. Uh, my name is Jet. Well, I mean, well, they just made me think of another one. Silver arm. I mean, Sebastian Stan. He's um, got that. Yeah. You know, uh, too yeah. Young. <laughs> Is he too young, maybe? I think he, so. He might be a decent maybe. spike. Yeah. The early years. Oh, yeah. Yeah? A good spike? He'd have to lose some weight. Yeah. Damn. I'm trying to think of body shape. I'm still trying like, to think of fame. I'm built like, you <laughs> I mean, know, look lucky. What, look what Christian Bale did for the machinist. Oh, yeah. Well, you got what crack about Chris skinny? Evans as vicious? Like a long haired. Interesting. I'm just, I'm just, we're just spitballing. Brandon now. Lee. From the crow. Oh, as vicious. Okay. <laughs> so, actually, I mean, there's a there's a lot, a lot of similarities between the crow and Cowboy Bebop with like yes. the church and like. Yeah. Uh, didn't the crow is like his woman like betray him or something? The no, his, his, his woman murdered. got like yeah murdered. Okay, well that's kind of what murdered. Spike says. I, I was killed by a woman once. You know, then he I'm not afraid like of it's death. One of the homages that the yeah. the series does is. An old film like, noir thing, anyway. But it's like we like, yeah, yeah. The I was fem, killed by a woman. The femme fatale. Yeah. Yeah. 
and yeah, that's that's even kind of Jet's Sin City style yeah. personality. Is Jet is the old PI? I used air quotes. I thought there. he was the most uh, <laughs> out of all of them. the old yeah. the old PI who's you know like. You know, she came in and her legs went all the way from the floor to heaven. Oh, yeah. Like I his episode like the narration. Yeah, you know, and he's got like the, the old timey stopwatch that it, that yeah. uh, his girlfriend left him when she left. Like ran out on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate, appreciate you coming out for this episode. I was super stoked to do it. I was really... I'm really happy with what, where we ended up, even though we kind of <laughs> went around there for a minute. But, uh, yeah, real quick, why don't you guys just, uh, you know, tell people where they can follow you on social and things like that. Oh, over here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at S-T-P-H-N-T-Y-L-R. It's my name with no E's. Uh, and then, of course, if you really want to find me, I'm always at the tower. So yeah, just follow what we're doing over there. Cool. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Muddy Mallon. I don't have a Twitter. I have stopped posting on Facebook completely. The yearly uh, post, even? I, I may make a yearly post. Okay. I think it has been a year since that Chainsmokers post. Oh, though. snap. But uh, I got to update that, right? Uh, but that's it. I mean, I just post on Instagram now, basically. Yeah. So, And we have event pages that I kind of post on for our Facebook. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. It's <laughs> the only reason I still have an account. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at the Awesome Robot. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, I'm mostly on Facebook, like all the time. Uh, but if you want to follow my band, it's the Nims uh, N G H I E M S. Uh, Mike's in the band as well. Uh, if you want to follow comedy, uh, yeah. Robot Save City on all kinds of platforms. Um, yeah, cool. Well, thanks again, guys. And again, you could follow us. On social media, Tunes, Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And of course, listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you guys next time. See you, Space Cowboy.